Westgate Chapel. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. We're glad that each one of you came. So thank you for that. If you're new, if you're a guest or a visitor, um, please take a minute to stop by our guest services center right out here um, outside these doors. And hopefully you also had a chance to pick up a connection card along with the sermon notes that are out here on the reception tables. Um, we would love it whether you're a visitor or a longtime member, would you fill out that connection card for us? And especially, um, feel free to list your prayer requests on the back, share your prayer requests. Those are prayed over um, each week. And so we love the opportunity to um, minister as a family in that way. The connection card and the sermon notes can also be found in your app. So if you have the Westgate Chapel app, you can check that out. And also new in the app, you can actually find the song lyrics for this morning listed in the sermon notes section. So um, if that's a little easier for you to read and follow along, you can find those there. Now, if you'd uh, direct your gaze up to the screen here, we have some additional announcements. Good morning, Westgate. My name is Rob Zimmerman, and I'm the lead pastor here at Westgate Chapel. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. Here at Westgate, the vision that God has given us is to be a Jesus-centered community that is known for intentionally sharing God's love with our neighbors and the nations. And one of the ways that we do this is by supporting local organizations and individuals who are involved in gospel ministry here within our city. That's why I want to invite you to join us for our Partnership Sunday on July 30th. During both services, we'll be celebrating the work that God is doing through organizations such as the Pregnancy Center, Global Opportunities, Water for Ishmael, and That Neighborhood Church. As well, we'll be talking with individuals like Mindy Cross with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Mark and Erica Fertig and Sean and Maggie George who are working with crew regionally and at the University of Toledo. I wanna to encourage you to plan some time between services on that morning to connect with our various partners. Take time to get to know them, hear their stories and learn about how God is moving in our community and consider how you can be involved. So mark your calendars for Sunday, July 30th, and we'll see you here. Now, as we continue our service, we're very excited to introduce you to our Germany mission team and commission them as they prepare to head to Vaden, Germany, where they will join the Carey family in sharing God's love with the nations through the local English camp ministry. All right. Well, good morning, Westgate Chapel. Glad to be with you. My name is Steve Fisher. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at the church. And I get the privilege of talking a little bit about our Germany mission team that we're going to be commissioning uh, this Sunday. In case you don't know, we have partnered uh, with missionaries that we've sent out, the Carries, who Literally, we just sent out two weeks ago, but who were sent out years and years ago from our church doing missions uh, in northeast Germany. Uh, when I was there two years ago and telling people going to Germany, it was at times they're like, wait, you're going to do missions in Germany? Why aren't you going to like the deep, dark jungles of Africa or somewhere like this, right? And yet, if you realize where uh, Varen, which is the city that they live in, where it's located, uh, there is little to no uh, really gospel access uh, Christians in that area east of the Berlin Wall. And so when I was there two years ago, that... That was profound, the difference between Western and Eastern Germany. And so the Carries have been there for years now with a team uh, that is working to proclaim the name of Jesus and share the gospel with uh, 
everyone in Germany. And so uh, our team is going for English camp, which is a main thing that they do each summer uh, where they invite um, mostly kind of teenager, college-age students to come and learn English. And then in doing that, they also get, as just Rob just talked about, share and show uh, the love of Jesus. And what's really cool is we've heard stories of the fruit from that uh, Two new leaders that they are bringing into the church there are one the woman that is now going to be leaving her and her husband was a former student at one of those English camps. And so our team going down there along with Julianne and David. Wow, I just blanked on his name. David are already down there with their son, Leo. Um, and so they're going to be spending the week down there in English camp. But as well as that, the Eric's here, Paul and Lydia and their sons, are going to be spending the next 10 weeks then down interning with the Carries. And so, Paul, you want to say a couple of words about why you guys are doing that? Yeah, so first, before I say why we're doing it, I want to say thank you to all of you guys who have supported us um, in prayer and financially and in thoughts and conversations. We super appreciate that, not only... Lydia and the boys and I, but also us as a family, or as, as a team going for English camp. So what we are doing um, down there, we're going to be there for 10 weeks, kind of like Steve said, um, and we are interning and helping with their mission team that's down in Bahrain. So uh, we're going to be working with the Carries and the McLeans, who are another missionary family that are in town, and we're going to be joining and serving uh, in partnership with them. Um, with our main intent to see uh, what God's call looks like for full-time missions for us, and if that's something um, internationally that looks like, um, or if we just continue to stay here at Westgate and serve and engage and send well. So you'll see prayer prompts that will pop up here, um, and Steve will kind of go through what some of those look like. So part of our church is that we, we send, we go, Right? We also, as people go, we see all throughout the Bible of people praying and commissioning and sending out as they go on, uh, on trips or on mission. And so we would like to invite you into that. And instead of just listening to me pray, because uh, sometimes I stumble and you have great words to say as well. And so uh, you'll see there's four different prompts up there to pray for the Eric's as they go, for the team, uh, as they go to support our our partners there in Germany, uh, just the, that opportunity to show and share the gospel, and then to stay fixed and not distracted on, on what they're doing there. And so I'm going to invite you um, to just take in your seat, maybe with if you came with a friend or some family members, or maybe you just want to turn the next person and just pray, would you spend a couple of minutes as a church praying for our team and for the Eric's as they go. Pick one of those and pray together. We'll spend about two minutes and then I'll wrap us up at the end. So go ahead right where you are and you can begin to pray.
Dear God, we uh, thank you for the ability to come before you, uh, that we can um, be confident um, as we talk to you, as, as we present our request to you, uh, that you hear us, uh, that you are not far off or distant, um, that you uh, want to be in relationship with us. We thank you for the work that you have planned out since the beginning of time that uh, this team gets to walk in. And so we pray that they would stay in step with your spirit, uh, that they would uh, not be distracted, um, that when they are tired or lonely or questioning, uh, that you would be comfort, uh, that you would be peace, um, and then ultimately would you use them in a way that you have uniquely gifted and equipped them and placed them uh, in Germany for such a time as this. Um, and so as a church body, as their church family, uh, we just pray a blessing over them. Uh, would you go before them? Would you go with them? Would you go behind them? Um, would you then give us maybe glimpses of the fruit that you will bear uh, from this. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your provision and what you've provided for this team to go. Um, and so now as they go, uh, would they know that their church is behind them, their God is with them. In your name, amen. As, uh, can you give them a hand? And then... I'll ask you if you would stand up out of your seat and would you turn to someone next to you, greet them, welcome them, introduce yourself, uh, say thanks for being here, and we'll then go back to worship in a couple minutes. No, he's been there for a while, Chad did. The hand too. had to prove to you that it's not broke. back to see we're going to continue worshiping together.
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus.
resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We get access to all of that, Lord God. It's like the most powerful weapon just sitting right there indwelling in us that we get that, Father. I pray that we will pick it up. I pray that in every situation that needs redemption, that needs restoration, that needs healing, Lord, that's where you come in and your Holy Spirit works to break strongholds, Father. There is power in that. I pray that you will help us to walk in that power, Father, that we wouldn't just leave this place with just a good teaching this morning, Lord, but that we would armor up and walk in the power that you make available to us through your Spirit, Father, as we go out this week. Speak to us now, Father. In your name we pray, amen. If you would just continue in your worship this morning through giving, um, if you're on the center island, you can pick up one of those offering buckets and pass them down. That would be great. Thank you so much.
Well, good morning again. Uh, my name is Adam Just, uh, adult ministry pastor here at Westgate Chapel, and uh, privileged to be sharing God's word with you this morning. We are in, I don't know what week we are. It's a long time. We've been in Mark, Mark's gospel. Uh, we have four weeks remaining. So we're hitting chapters 13, 14, 15, 16 left, not all this morning. Um, just chapter 13 this morning, which is, which is a lot uh, in itself, um, but we're going to, uh, Lord willing, make it through. And so welcome if you're just joining us in our journey, in our study through the Gospel of Mark. So if you have a, a Bible, whether it's the, this kind or the digital kind or the scriptures will also be up on the screen in a, a little bit. But uh, glad, glad to be worshiping together. Um, this past week, I took, uh, we have four kids. My two boys and I went to, uh, Cle- not Cleveland, but we saw a Cleveland Guardians baseball game. And uh, on the way back, we brought the, the, the Ohio Turnpike back uh, to Toledo. And if you've been on the Turnpike recently, there are multiple places where you have construction. And before you get to these construction areas, there's these, uh, I guess, square, rectangular uh, signs that say, caution, caution, caution. And they are to warn you and caution you that construction is coming up, so be aware. And I find it kind of interesting that now you're supposed to start paying attention when you drive, when you come to construction area, which was concerning. But as we were, we were driving, uh, not in a construction area, in this three-lane highway in the, in the center lane, um, at night we were coming up on two, two uh, trucks. And uh, one on the right lane, one on the left lane, the center lane was empty. And as I, I approached it, I started to slow down because I didn't quite feel comfortable in trying to zoom right through the two uh, big uh, trailer uh, trucks. And so I kind of waited, and I thought, maybe is this person in the left lane going to kind of come over and let me go pass on the left? And after a little bit, uh, they weren't, they were staying in their lane, so I started to slowly uh, work through uh, that, the center lane, and I got to like the rear wheels, because both of them were side by side, and then suddenly the blinker came on, and that truck started to come over. I had to quickly, you know, hit the brakes, back up, get out of there and kind of regather myself, and then come back around and pass then on, on the left-hand side. So we have to be driving with caution, being alert, being aware, being on guard. And this isn't just a public service announcement. Um, actually, it's just a segue into our scripture passage this morning where Jesus says eight different times to the disciples, caution, be alert. Be on guard, watch out, be awake, okay? And so as we we jump into the word, that is, I think, the primary message out of this whole chapter, is for us as disciples, disciples then in the first century and disciples today for us in the 21st century, to be alert, to pay attention, to be on guard, and, and what does Jesus ask us to be on guard about? And we'll, we'll get to that. So um, we're going to begin in Mark chapter 13, uh, verse, verse 1. And uh, 
we're talking, we'll begin talking about the temple. So verse 1, chapter 13, as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. So where are we contextually? We're leaving the temple. And so I think we can put a picture up here of kind of a, redo of of the temple. And back in chapter 11, uh, two weeks ago, Steve, we had the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, curses the fig tree, and then goes into the temple and he's overturning tables, overturning benches, and upsetting people, and doesn't like what he sees, what's going on in, in the temple. And then last week uh, in Mark 12, Jesus is still in the temple and he's having different people come up and question him, challenging him of what he was saying and asking him different questions, what he was doing, whether the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, different groups came up to challenge him. And so there he is in the temple. At the end of that chapter, we see one final picture. This is the final picture of Jesus in the temple, and he's calling their attention to, uh, uh, it says, a poor widow who took all that she had and put it into the temple treasury. And then it's at that moment, then Jesus exits at the beginning of chapter 13, leaving the temple out this, we're, we're on the eastern hill kind of looking at it. So they leave east. And here we have a disciple, an unnamed disciple, says, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And it was magnificent. It was huge, it was big, and we like big, huge things. So to kind of help put, us in, put it in perspective, this temple mount, this big platform area built by Herod the Great, about 37 acres. Anybody have a good idea how big 37 acres is? Some do. Some of you have some farming background. I don't. It just seems, well, it's big. So it, to put it in perspective, that's the size of about 20 of these buildings. 20 Westgate chapels would fit on this temple platform, okay? Or if you've ever been to a football stadium, the biggest football stadium in the United States is the Big House, Michigan Stadium. Some of you are cheering, some of you are hissing. All right. Awesome. So the the temple mount platform holds three Michigan Big Houses. So now we can finally understand God's house is much bigger than the big house, right? Coming from an Ohio State alumni. Um, but get perspective. If you've ever seen a football stadium, these things are huge. The Temple Mount where people would come to worship. Huge, massive. The columns on the left, you see this royal portico. And these columns, the, the, a writer says that you took three men with their hands together to wrap around just one of those columns. How large. The stones of the middle part there in the, 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 the Holy of Holies and those walls, all those stones would roughly be three feet high, four feet wide, 
And the average they found was about 15 feet long, roughly weighing about 28 tons. We've talked before about how Herod is a builder. And so this thing was huge, three stories high. The Holy of Holies. It's just massive. Large, big, and it was beautiful. The writer Josephus, who was a, a Jewish priest, sort of, and a historian, Roman Jewish historian from the first century, he, he said about the, the, the temple that the exterior of the building wanted nothing that could astound either the mind or eye for being covered on all sides with massive plates of gold. The sun was no sooner up that it radiated so fiery a flash that persons straining to look at it were compelled to avert their eyes as from solar rays. To approach strangers, it appeared from a distance like a snow-clad mountain, for all that was not overlaid with gold was of purest white. So here is this picture, this place, this house of worship where the people of God would come together and gather. I think it was also a place of, of, of pride. Look what was built. This represents our God. Verse 2. Jesus responds. says, Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Echoes from Psalm, Psalm 74, words from the prophets like Jeremiah and Micah that prophesied the destruction of the temple with Babylon. And then here we have Jesus prophesying the destruction of the temple again. I think in some ways he's saying to the disciples, hey boys, don't be impressed with what man can make. Because it can be here one day and gone the next. Verse 3, as Jesus was then sitting, so they leave the temple to go across the Kidron Valley and sitting on the east side. And we can imagine Jesus, he says he's sitting. He's a teaching position. And then disciples come around. They're sitting on the Mount of Olives. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately. Uh, these are like the first four that were called two sets of brothers. Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Okay, so this is, this is the context for the rest of this chapter. They were in the temple, big and beautiful. They leave the temple, sit opposite. They can still see the whole temple. Gold reflecting all that stuff. Jesus says it's all going to be destroyed. And what do they ask? When and what? When is it going to happen? And what is going to be the sign? How are we going to know? So the rest of chapter 13 is Jesus, his response. His response to them then, first century. And then for us, we believe and we'll pray, Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, we believe your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And we ask that you would take your word and it would penetrate into our mind and then it would judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts this morning. So as we read these words, these words about being alert and awake, God, it would not just be something in our head to learn more about, but God, that you would strike, strike our hearts. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And so the rest of this chapter is Jesus responding to those questions about when and what. And so we're going to read the rest of the chapter, chapter 13. Um, We didn't do this at first service, but I think I'm going to ask you to do it because the chairs, they're padded, yes, but also not the most comfortable. And um, I just read how when Ezra read the book of the law, all the people stood and heard the word. So if you are able to this morning, we're just going to read the rest of this chapter together. And then it also gives you a chance to stretch your legs again, okay? So we're going to begin in verse 5. And uh, before we do so, kind of a different structure. Uh, I think some Bibles have headings and structures, but this first part, like 5 through 23, are going to be about the destruction of the temple. First part. And then Jesus adds on. He talks about when he's coming again. The Son of Man is going to come again. 24 through 27. And then 28 through 31, he then gives a parable about the destruction of the temple. And then he gives a parable about him coming again. Okay, so that's the overall structure that we read. And it, I don't know, I've read this so many times in the past few weeks that it, this structure has helped me kind of understand what's going on. So, uh, verse 5. Jesus said to them, watch out. That no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he, and he will deceive and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning. 
when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Verse 24. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Verse 28, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Verse 32, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each one with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. You can be seated. Shake it out if you need to. That was long. So we spent some time kind of sharing context, read the passage, and then we're going to close by looking at like the the parable of the Son of Man coming back, 32 to 37. But um, kind of a a, a quick big picture of a lot of what happened in the middle, the destruction of, of the temple. So... The destruction of the temple, it happens. It's a, it was a real event. We read what Jesus says. He says, do not be alarmed at difficult times and circumstances. So there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be kingdoms against kingdoms and nations against nations. There's going to be natural phenomena. There's going to be earthquakes, famines. All this is going to happen Don't be alarmed. It just will occur. Then he says there's going to be challenges to the faith. Persecution because of the name of Jesus. This isn't just I'm having a bad day. This is actually you are proclaiming the name of Jesus. And because there's an adversary, an enemy against the truth, they will seek to persecute the name of Jesus and what it stands for and the truth and hope that we have. And so, persecution because of the name of Jesus. It says you will stand as witnesses before leaders, before governors, before kings. 
And we read in, in Acts and, and following how those early disciples got sent out, they were persecuted, and they went to the ends of the earth of the Roman Empire as it was at that time. And they stood before governors, and they stood before kings, and they were faithful to the witness of Jesus. And again, don't be alarmed when this happens. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. We also read about how in that time there will be challenges in the family. There will be discord between brothers, between parents and children because of the faith in Jesus. And we find in historical records that in the Roman Empire they would force and coerce, hey, who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? And families members would get turned over and handed over to death. Don't be alarmed. And then he says, stand firm. Those who stand firm to the end will be saved. What about the what? When you see and the what, what is the sign? What's the sign? Verse 14, and then again in verse 29, this idea of seeing, because what we, with signs we see. It says, the abomination that causes desolation, and Jesus is, is taking a word and quoting from Daniel. Jesus says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, when you see the holy place being um, desecrated, then you know it's time to flee, time to get out. Get out of Jerusalem, get out of Judea, because the destruction is coming. There are multiple times in history that people could point to, and one of these times would be in 66. If you know, Jesus died in about 30, and then he says this is his generation, in about 66, then uh, we read the Jew Roman the Jewish revolt happens. They revolt against the leadership of Rome. One of those sects, the Zealots, in 67, 68, then came and took over the temple, bringing in what we read, blood, and the high priest at that time, written by Josephus, says, what they have done is an abomination that has desecrated the temple. And so if this is the sign, it's time to get out. The very next year, Roman soldiers come and surround Jerusalem, they besiege it. Also at the time of Passover, and what Rome did because they were kind, and they knew that Jews had to come for the Passover to Jerusalem, they said, hey, we'll let you come in. They didn't let them out. It's recorded that over one million Jews were killed by the Roman army, by sword and also by famine at that time. And then the destruction of the temple occurred. All those buildings were torn down, and the only thing that is left that's original to, at that time is just small portions of the western wall. And you can still go there today and see some of these large stones toppled over off to the side. 
the destruction of the temple. Then Jesus continued in 28 or 28 to 31, talking about the second coming, how he refers to himself as the Son of Man multiple times in Mark. And here he says, the Son of Man will return in power. And I think that is the hope that we have today, that we look ahead to the coming King again. That is the hope that we have. That's the hope that we profess, that we look ahead to. So again, what does this mean for us today? Eight times in this passage, watch out, watch out, be on guard, be on guard, stay alert, look out, caution. So how do we do that? How do we keep watch? Let's look again at these final six verses, this parable about the second coming. Verse 32 through 37 again. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, of, not, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. Whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So how do we do that? I think first is knowing we do not know the day or time. We do not know the day or time. The Son of Man, Jesus, does not know the day or time. but it's certainly fun to talk about. Christians through every generation for the past 2,000 years have been talking about when is he Christ coming back and they've been trying to look at numbers and they add things up and they do some math and they look at signs and they look at wars and they look at rumors of wars and look at natural events and they try and decide this is when it's going to happen. Every century has had dates. There's already dates still planned not yet to come, just so you know. Maybe someday, no one's going to be right. Except Jesus is going to come back again, and we don't know. How arrogant. How arrogant for us to think that we know something that Jesus doesn't. But we like to know. And so we follow podcasts and we read books and we follow websites and we listen to people because it sounds fun, it sounds interesting. And it's just, it's watch out. It's a warning. If these are things that you are chasing after, it has been a distraction to the church from the real mission, finding those specific dates and times for a long time. Be on guard. Watch out, because no one knows the day or the hours. And if you're following someone that says that they do, stop. You're being misled. You're being deceived. Don't get sidetracked, which leads right into the next second thing. 
We need to be on guard and watch out for deceivers and false prophets. Throughout the whole passage, he's talking about be on guard, watch out for deceivers and false prophets. Jesus here talks about it. We see Paul warning the church in Acts 20 in Ephesus, watch out for those wolves that are going to come in. Paul writes about it to Timothy and to Titus. John writes about it. Deceivers, false teachers. And Peter writes about it as well. And the church has been battling false teachers and false prophets for the last 2,000 years. I'd like to read 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2. Peter writes, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. And so if we are to be on guard and to watch out, we need to know the word of God and say, okay, what is false and what is true? And so I share with you, could have had a huge list, but I think four common false messages today. I think the first is that this book, the Bible, is not reliable. I, I've heard and have read and what's put out there, and like, you can just Google anything or YouTube anything, and you don't have to be, just understand people that post on uh, podcasts and videos and YouTube, there is no editorial process needed. You can write and put up anything you want to. So any and every view that you want to follow is there and available. We have to be cautious. One of them there is that this book is just a 2,000-year-old document, piece of parchment, that's written by old people, and we don't need to follow it today. It's not really, maybe there's some good wisdom in it, But I tell you, the more that we learn about this, this is the most scrutinized book in the history of the world. It is also, over the last 2,000 years, the most accurate book from how things, historical documents have ever been copied in the manuscript, papyrus, um, all of the, the, the codexes, everything have been so meticulously done that we read this and this is from the very first to the last copy, it's 99.99% accurate. So if you have questions about the accuracy of God's word, if you have those doubts, you're allowed to look and research. I encourage you to do that so that you can have confidence and be confident that, yes, this is the word. I can, wow, I read this every day with certainty. Second, common false message today is just a way of redefining what sin is or isn't. Or even not even using the word sin because sin, that makes people feel bad. There's a movement, you might have heard of it, it's called progressive uh, Christianity. Labeled progressive Christianity. And it, it's pretty broad. There's a lot of people in progressive Christianity, and progressive Christianity holds the Bible, 
and says, yeah, it's true for the most part, but it's also kind of, the, it's, I don't know if it's super authoritative. And the people 2,000 years ago, they did as best they could to interpret it and do everything that, and teach. But we are here now 2,000 years later, and we know a lot more. Again, arrogance. We know a lot more, and so instead of the progressive view, instead of saying, this is the authority, and I put myself under it, it makes the reader the authority and puts the Bible under it. And so, do I like this? I really don't like this message. It doesn't really go with what I think or what I think is right. So um, I'll follow A, B, and C, but skip the rest. A third, this is more kind of in the church as a response to those, would be not be allowed to doubt or ask questions. Well, I think we, we hear these messages, we hear, well, the Bible's not reliable. If someone asks this question, we're like, don't ask that question. Don't have doubts. Hey, it's, this is true, this is real. But if, if we have questions, if we have doubts, ask them. Look in good Truthful sources. Ask for help that have been pe- from people that have been walking along the journey for a long time and aren't afraid. Because I, I think as we ask the questions, that the answers are there. More and more archaeological evidence they find, the more and more it just supports the people and the events that are in God's word. We can ask questions because our faith is based on, our, on Jesus who is the rock, a sure foundation. A fourth common false message, and this is the last one, that, that, which I think is also big, but that there is no hell. I think this is a common false message today because it's just really hard to come to grips with. It's really challenging And we might have heard, well, how could a loving God send people? Well, he didn't want to. That's why Jesus came, right? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to him. And the more and more we make ourselves the authority rather than this, then it's easier to say, well, I just want to pick and choose what I think is favorable to me. And this is one of those teachings. And so if you hear this, then your caution should, the blinking of the sign, caution, 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 be alert, be aware. We may not like it, but that truth should be a very sober point for us in our faith. There might be other truths in the scripture that we don't like, but this is God's word. We can't use our feelings as a measurement of whether it's true or not. So this leads to the third point from this passage. I think be alert and bold with God's truth. Be alert and bold is what Jesus says. You're going to be persecuted, so stand as a witness Jesus says that we are the light of the world. 
Some of the verses of that song we sang before the message here talked about Jesus in the darkness. And guess what? You get to go and be in the darkness and be the light that shines into it. And so we are asked and invited and commissioned to go into those dark places to be a witness. So we have to be alert for those opportunities. We have to wake up in the morning or wake up in the evening, depending on your schedule. But as we wake up, we say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? And some of my my favorite verses out of Acts, Acts chapter 4, because often we can become self-conscious of this, but... This is Peter saying, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And then the leaders that he was testifying to said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So every day we spend time with Jesus And we are ordinary, and we are unschooled, and anyone can go with the truth of God into the dark places, but we need to be bold these days to do so. And we will probably face some pushback. Yes, we want our words to be seasoned with salt and not bludgeon people with it. We want to be sensitive, but also truthful. So be alert and bold with God's truth. Next is the people in the parable are given, the servants are given authority with responsibility. Verse 34, is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. That word is authority. Jesus has gone and he's put us in charge. He's given us the authority. And then, to do their assigned tasks. Ephesians 2.10. For we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works for the glory of God. We are keeping watch and we are alert and we're getting up and we're moving and we're listening for the Holy Spirit to lead us and then we're putting our hands and feet and our hearts and our minds, our desires and our passions, we're putting all of it to work. To give God the glory. So that people will come into relationship with him. We're alert, we're not ignoring those responsibilities. We're making most of the days that we are given. And finally, that last word, watch or stay awake. I think the word, the challenge for us is don't numb out. Oftentimes we have our devices We have our different modes and methods of almost like zoning out or numbing out, using something as a crutch. Yes, there are times and seasons where we do need to rest. We do need to find uh, rejuvenation. But don't go to the point where we just numb out so we don't feel anything or really are listening to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do.
So one kind of final uh, PS to all this, and we kind of began with that picture of the temple, and we heard about the destruction of this temple. The temple gets destroyed. And I think it's so beautiful then that to the church at Corinth, Paul then writes, you are the temple. That old temple has been destroyed, but the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, and now we are the temple. And so we need to stay awake and stay alert and be the temple where God resides and dwells and goes out into the world. So Jesus, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Show us the places and the ways that um, maybe we've been falling asleep in our walks with you. Show us the ways that uh, we need to awaken us and awaken our souls. Help us to encourage each other. And even this morning as we are together as a church body, awaken us. We desire to love you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Renew us and rejuvenate us this morning. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Can't breathe. I am here.
thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, there is like a minute and a half video on our Facebook page with an update of what's going on in the sanctuary. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, take a look, kind of give you a, a, a sneak peek, maybe about halfway through uh, the process. Um, as you might be moved this morning in any way, we do have uh, Tom and Kathy over here uh, in the corner to pray. So if you want to receive prayer this morning for anything, with how God's moving you, or just a prayer request of something going on in your life, please come and be blessed by people praying for you. Um, they're right over here after the service. And so as you go out this week, may you go with the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in His peace. Amen.